0: booked the podcast where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading I'm Rob Olson
1: and I'm Livia Snedden. this episode will be reviewing yellow medicine by Anthony Neal Smith Uh, Smith is the author of uh, psychosomatic the drummer yellow medicine which we're reviewing tonight hog dogging and choke on your lies which is available exclusively as an e original on both Amazon and Barnes and Noble Uh, Smith was born and raised in Mississippi currently lives in Minnesota and is the Director of Creative Writing at the Southwest Minnesota State University.
0: All right, a little bit about the story. Uh, We pulled a synopsis off of actually the Barnes & Noble website. I will read a little bit of that for you now. Anthony Neal Smith's acclaimed 2008 novel Yellow Medicine is about a bad cop gone worse named Billy Lafitte. Lafitte bends the rules a bit too much as a cop on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and after Katrina hits, his luck runs out. He's given a second chance in rural Minnesota, thanks to his ex-brother-in-law, Sheriff of Yellow Medicine County. Immediately, Billy starts working the system, protecting meth dealers for a slice of the profits, drinking too much, intimidating civilians, and coercing the women to see things his way. But when some wannabe terrorists start moving in on meth money to help fund their operations, Billy has to choose between those closest to him and his own self-interests. The choices he makes will determine who lives and dies. I don't
1: know Billy LaFitte sounds like my kind of guy. Um <laughs> say this, this <laughs> is the blurb from the um, the cover of the ebook. When they gave this bad cop a second chance, he became even worse. <laughs> and and I just really like that as a as a summation of Billy LaFitte's character. The story is really it's a progression of a guy who makes some very poor decisions just in general, and, uh, and what winds up happening when he gets thrown into a wholly unmanageable situation.
0: Yeah, it's an apt description. And one little note that I jotted down while reading it was, uh, my, my note says, Lafitte is the guy who had nothing and lost it all. And really, that's kind of the situation when the book starts out, is he's lamenting um, where his life is at, kind of reflecting on where things went wrong. Um, but as the story progresses, it just seems to get worse when you wouldn't think that it was possible.
1: Yeah, he's he's a very real character that at least I felt very sympathetic towards regardless of the you know heinous acts that he's committed and, and continues to commit <laughs> all in... Uh, he just gets in this downward spiral where he has to do other things to cover up the things that he did before and it gets worse and worse and I just can't help but feel just very sympathetic <laughs> to, to what he's going through.
0: So. <laughs> I personally... Really tend to warm to antihero characters pretty quickly when I'm reading books. It's pretty obvious most of the time if you're kind of reading an anti-hero character, and it didn't really happen with this one uh, at first. I wasn't really too warm to the Billy LaFitte character, and I think that's because typically when you have an antihero, uh, they're kind of larger than life in a way, like they're so they're cartoonishly exaggerated. And the thing with Billy LaFitte is um, he's kind of the, a character that everybody can kind of see themselves in or see him in themselves, but in a way they don't really want to admit it because it's not necessarily the best things. But they're, the, what I'm trying to say is it's a really real character in a really good way. Speaking of
1: characters, some of the other characters that round out um, this story the, the girl, the love interest, uh, Drew, who's a uh, singer in a psychobilly band named Elvis Antichrist, um, Agent Franklin Rome, an a wannabe up and coming um, FBI agent who's trying to make a name for himself, uh, Malaysian terrorists, um, and a waitress <laughs> with one breast far far larger than the other one. And how can you not love those characters tied into a tied into a plot?
0: And then, of course, your scattered uh, group of. Smaller characters involved, you know, including like meth dealers and junkies and your typical midwestern sprawl of people.
1: The the pushover brother-in-law sheriff. Let's not forget him. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, it's just it's it's a great cast of characters and the story, although um, a little out there, much like the synopsis for pretty much all of um, Anthony Neal Smith's books, kind of, okay, read the synopsis, and I wonder, okay, how is he going to pull this, you know, this cast of craziness or this insane plot kind of together into a cohesive story, and he really does a good job with it here in Yellow Medicine. The book does not, uh, it it doesn't bore, and it certainly doesn't disappoint.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that I was kind of struck with the whole time was uh, it kind of runs a spectrum from things that are very typical to things that are pretty extraordinary that I wouldn't expect would work in a story. And somehow he balances it all, or not balances, but he equalizes everything so that the mundane things are well-written enough to be interesting, fit in the story well, and the kind of outrageous things are the things that are might be a stretch of imagination if they weren't written well also just feel so natural. The story, because of that, I believe... Uh, it just feels, it's very comfortable. It just, it just flows very well. I will say this, one of my personal peeves about
1: authors is the overuse of dream sequences to tie in, um, you know, to tie in elements of a story and I Hmm. really, really hate it and I know Rob knows this about me. Um, And, and Anthony Smith did this twice in the book and neither time did I really feel like it was forced and maybe that's because of just good inner dialogue for for Lafitte throughout the story that I didn't think that the couple of dream sequences that he had were out of place or forced and it is a huge issue for me when I read dream sequences I always say it's just the cheap vehicle for an author to you know to, to not have to figure out a way to really expound on an idea
0: yeah, now that you mention it, I didn't really even think about it at the time, but, yeah, there are a couple dream sequences in there. Like you said, they're so natural that it didn't even occur to me, oh, this is a dream, and to think about it from a plot perspective, it just it just felt natural.
1: Well, as like I said, just it wasn't forced, and it fit so well, and I don't know if that's, like I said, again, Lafitte's inner dialogue throughout this book is great. Um, he comes across as this badass cop, and just as you get to know him throughout the course of the book, you understand that he has to come off much more courageous, much braver, or much more badass than he really is. And uh, his inner dialogue really reveals a, a character that you said could be, you know, everybody or anybody in a given situation. So very real and very well written.
0: Yeah, I fully agree.
1: One other note, and this is uh, something I hope that doesn't... <laughs> I just I have to wonder how much of Lafitte's kind of disdain for for Minnesota is uh, is a reflection of the author's own feelings it's based on the fact that he uh, some of that is autobiographical as he did was born and raised in Mississippi and then later moved to Minnesota so I can't imagine that some of that isn't based in reality at least on his feelings at the time
0: yeah and one thing I'd like to mention um... From the synopsis I read, I I said it's a 2008 novel. It originally was published in 2008, um, but the reason that we're reading it now and reviewing it for everyone is because it's being released for the first time in an ebook format, and will be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, it is a fresh release in the fact that it's being released as an ebook, and that's why we're taking a look at it right now. All right, about
1: ready to wrap up. Closing thoughts on Yellow Medicine
0: yeah let's do it all right
1: i am gonna say this and i mentioned on the last podcast i did read this book um probably back in 2009 i think it was at the release of hog dogging which is the sequel to this book so if you like yellow medicine run out and get a paper copy or order one um a regular book copy of hog dogging that's where the billy lafitte saga continues or and i i have nothing to base this on except a feeling that um shortly after yellow medicine is available in ebook format i think we'll also see hog dogging and if we do i think that um we're probably going to be reviewing that on uh on our show here so that being said i'm going to go into my uh, i did read it before i did give it a four star review initially when i uh, on goodreads when i read it originally in rereading it i i Kind of felt like I reconnected with Lafitte, and maybe some of this has to do with the fact that I did read the sequel, but I'm bumping it up to a four-and-a-half-star read. I really, really enjoyed this book, and I'm actually looking forward to reading Hog Doggin again soon, hopefully.
0: Great. I'm going to preface my, my wrap-up by kind of just going into some of the motivation behind the way that I rate things, because I, I, I feel like sometimes I get a little too critical, And the reason is is I just love words, and I love the structure of stories and everything, and I really analyze beyond the story itself, I analyze how things are written, and because of that, I look at the good things and the bad things. If someone uses a word that I typically don't read, I really admire that, and if someone uses a word, (laughs) as you know, if someone (laughs) uses a word that I think is misplaced or used wrong, it, it weighs heavily too, so... My love of words and the use of words, the way they're used, my love of the construction of stories really plays a heavy role in how I rate books. It's not just, oh, you know, I like this character, I like the scene. It's really the whole kind of craft of making a story or a novel or a book. So that's my preface. And I'm just gonna go right out and say, I gave this bitch a 4.5 because it's a great story again the Lafitte character is very solid everything was just written in a way like I said it feels very balanced very equalized and it's a really flowing story you can tell there's a lot of talent behind the writing the story worked for me in a, in a big way there was nothing I really have that I could say bad about it and I think it's just a great great book okay and again this episode I'm going to do uh, our Kind of word snob. We might have to think about rewording our word snob minute to something else because we're kind of doing words of praise lately. So, uh, but I want to do I don't that. Know.
1: I know. I word snobbed purple.
0: Oh, last, yeah, you did.
1: And I felt bad because I almost sent Christopher Dwyer a message on Twitter <laughs> apologizing for it. So, all right, Christopher Dwyer, if you're listening to this, my apologies for calling you out on the overuse of the word purple.
0: Look, there, I feel much better now. If you seriously, if that's the greatest criticism you have about his debut novel, I'm sure that he's he's not losing sleep <laughs> over it. Okay, word snob moment for this week. I've got some quotes from the book that I really liked. I'm just going to hit you with them right now. The first one is a conversation between Billy and and one of the other deputies that he works with. Billy, think about what I said, okay? It's going to be fine. You'll see. As he climbed in his truck, I thought, maybe one day I'll be just like you, George, careful and spotless, but only because the undertaker cleaned me up nice. Okay, and here's the next one. The twerp I'd choked was on his feet, spewing like a chicken, thrown through a jet engine. That's a cute comparison, the sort of shit you think up when you're about to pass out, which I did. And I've got one more to share with everybody. Okay, this final one goes... Maybe not romance, but that girl brought out the want in me. Those are just a few quotes. I like the style of his writing, and I thought they kind of exemplified a range of things from something more romantic to something a little more dark or cynical. That's our word snobs for for this time.
1: Fantastic. A couple more um, points on Yellow Medicine before we move on to our next segment. Again, I mentioned um, Billy Lafitte's story continues in Hog Doggin, and Smith recently teased on his website, and I'm very excited about this. He may be... uh, bringing back billy lafitte soon possibly either in some short stories as a prequel to yellow medicine or maybe what i really hope to see um the next chapter in his story so hopefully we'll be seeing that soon i also forgot to mention at the author intro portion of the show that he is also the um, publisher of the noir webzine plots with guns um, which has been newly redesigned um, for the I believe it's the april or maybe may edition so check that out it's some free reads from some great great crime um, writers and i can't believe we got through the whole review without saying the word crime or noir i don't <laughs> know how we managed to do that considering he's a crime noir author and does a very good job at it so check him out at plots with guns you can also if you want to contact him you can catch him he is at doc noir d-o-c-n-o-i-r on twitter
0: very active on twitter this gentleman.
1: Very good and very funny at times too. You've got to watch some of his videos. If he pops up a link to a video he's done, they're they're very entertaining. A couple other words real quickly on Anthony Neil Smith. We mentioned this a little bit last week. I just want to reiterate and expand on it a little bit. He's been a very vocal proponent for um, for cheaper e-books. As you guys know if you read e-books at all, you know, you're looking at prices that that not only rival the paperback costs, but in some cases the hardcover costs. Um, he's priced his entire e-collection, which is six books now, um, for a total of about $6 on Amazon.com. As a point of reference, David Baldacci's new, newest book, The Sixth Man, is currently more than double that at $14.99. So make a good budget buy. You can get six books for six bucks. You'll read some entertaining stuff, some fairly original stuff. And, and you'll be supporting a, uh, a smaller press author, someone who's currently doing his own publishing, while he's, I think while he's searching for publishers for some of his other books. But it's a it's a terrific value, and, and it uh, I think it'll speak volumes to the publishers if we stop buying fifteen dollar ebooks and start supporting the guys that are you know putting their heart and soul into these books, and then only asking us in turn to spend the you know the equivalent of a value menu cheeseburger to read one
0: of their books. <laughs> that one line really rolls off the tongue. Six bucks for six books. There you go. I just want to say really quick, Yellow Medicine. We've been talking about. We reviewed it. It's going up on Amazon. You can get it May 1st. We could start a little groundswell here. If you go and buy it May 1st around 2 p.m. Eastern time, blow him up, get him get him up in the Amazon ranks for book sales, and because uh, he deserves it, it's a great book, and I think that everybody should read it. Also, like Livius said earlier, follow him at Doc Noir. Aside from the fact that he's kind of active and funny on there, I think he's linked to some old stuff he's written, like some shorts. I I can't remember the name of the one, but recently he just threw a link to a short story he wrote, and I read it in five or ten minutes, you know, like a little 5,000-word story. Oh, the
1: roadkill story. I forgot all about that. That was very entertaining. And yes, it was very short, but very entertaining.
0: Yeah, so totally added value. If you just want to catch a quick, very original, entertaining read, it seems like that's the kind of thing he'll do. He'll just throw stuff out there. So very interactive on Twitter at Doc Noir, and again May first 2 p.m. Head over to Amazon and buy Yellow Medicine and help him get some good rankings on Amazon.
1: All right. After you're done reading all of Doc Noir's books, um, here's some other suggestions for some things I feel are kind of similar. It's actually one series. It's the Hap and Leonard series by Joe R. Lansdale. Um, I myself have read the the first seven. Um, haven't quite gotten around to book eight. It just came out uh, last month uh, in March. Uh, book eight, uh, Devil Red, was released in March of this year. And the series follows two longtime friends through their misbegotten adventures in Texas. Hap and Leonard are a couple of good old boys. Um, Hap is your very traditional good old boy. Leonard is an African American homosexual good old boy. The relationship between these two really makes the book. Like I said, their their adventures are um, you know hijinks ensue is one way to go about it. But they're um, as similar to Anthony Neal Smith in the the dark crime area but they do get involved in some you know fighting off the criminal type element but they take place in um, eastern texas and the feel is very similar like the setting the feel and then the relationship between these two is is really really good Um, highly recommend it Um, lansdale's written you know dozens and dozens of things the only other one i'm going to push today is uh, the novella that he wrote that was adapted into the film classic baba hotep one of my top five movies of all time and if you want to see an original piece of uh, of fiction watch this movie it's about uh, Elvis Presley in a retirement home who then meets John F. Kennedy that was dyed black and put in the same (laughs) retirement home and together they fight a soul-sucking zombie again insane plot an incredibly touching and heartwarming movie lots of laughs lots of good stuff there so check out Happen Leonard and definitely check out Bubba Hotep
0: have you both read and seen Bubba Hotep i have i haven't read it i've only seen it so is it pretty faithful The is the... it
1: is it is very faithful it's it's a little bit longer i mean it expands a little bit the story the original short story I, and i it's been a couple of years maybe 35 40 pages and it's you know probably close to a two-hour movie so yeah they expanded on it a little bit but it is very faithful to the to the uh novella
0: yeah i thought it was a pretty crazy movie but definitely worth a watch and i've got a shout out for this episode I want to talk a little bit about Joshua Allen Dietsch and the book he recently published called The Strangeness in the Proportion. Published by White Wolf Publishing, uh, it was released serially online in 19 parts, and uh, from what I understand, is soon to be published as an e-book. Joshua Dietsch, I can give you a little bit of a backstory. I got a, a, a bio from his blog I'll read out. Joshua Allen Deitch fell back on writing ever since his guidance counselor informed him that Spider-Man was not a viable vocation. While you sleep, he weaves words in the plasma cauldron of his computer screen under the twilight laughter of a black light, advised by Rubber Raven and his pet snake, Lenore. Joshua has a fondness for fedoras, finds happiness in voodoo doll smiles, and does a mean Christopher Walken impersonation. Recently, Joshua journeyed to Norway to write for a video game company, He's currently without his snake and rubber raven. And just to give you a little insight about what this book, The Strangeness in the Proportion is like or about, from what I understand, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but from what I understand, it's essentially about uh, a forensic pathologist who falls in love with someone who he then has to go and find. And I'll give you a quick one of his synopses that he wrote for it, which I thought it was pretty entertaining and pretty telling. Necrophiles Need Love Too. They just have to dig down deep for it. So it's definitely a horror-themed book. Uh, I've read a couple of short stories that Josh wrote actually for an online... Originally it was published in an online e-zine called Bloodlust UK. Later on he uh, allowed us to republish them in a zine that we put together called The Nimrod. And I'm, I'm trying to think the best way to describe his writing. It's definitely dark, twisted but with a, a really clever humor to it. So I'm really looking forward to getting into Joshua's book when i got some time on my hands.
1: I'm really looking forward, to. I'd really like for us to review his book when it's available kind of, to the general public. As you mentioned, it's currently available online, 19 pieces at a time. I, I'm going to totally step on your segment, and I want to read one of the other synopsis because I really like synopsis number two. <laughs> and that's There are four different synopsis for this book on his site. And the second one is, Boy Meets Girl, Boy Loses Girl, Boy Gets Girl Back, One Piece at a Time. So yeah. I'm very much looking forward to reading this myself, and I I kind of cheated today and went onto the website and clicked on it, and luckily I was doing it from my crappy phone, because it locked up on me after I was reading three or four I don't know, sentences worth, and I had already enjoyed it more than the current book that I'm reading for our next podcast.
0: <laughs> we will be putting up links to Joshua's Website, blog that he's got uh, actual individual links to all 19 parts. So he's got it available to read for free right now. Eventually, I believe it's going to be at least an ebook and probably published in print. And we'll probably give a quick shout out uh, if and when that happens.
1: Very cool. Want to tell him about the next book? I just kind of spoiled how I felt about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about that after we talk
0: about the synopsis. <clears throat> all right. The next book that we're reading. Uh, is The Pale King by David Foster Wallace. I'm going to read you the uh, quick synopsis on the book jacket because I'm all about reading synopses tonight. That's my thing for this podcast. Better you than me, bud. (laughs) The agents at the IRS Regional Examination Center in Peoria, Illinois, appear ordinary enough to newly arrived trainee David Foster Wallace but as he immerses himself in a routine so tedious and repetitive that new employees receive boredom survival training, he learns of an extraordinary variety of personalities drawn to this strange calling. And he has arrived at a moment when forces within the IRS are plotting to eliminate even what little humanity and dignity the work still has. My notes on Wallace. Essentially, I've read one book by David Foster Wallace. I only recently heard about him, and I read Brief Interviews with Hideous Men, which uh, is not necessarily one complete novel. It's more like a collection of short stories, and I don't want to... kind of observations and everything, but um, people who aren't familiar with Wallace's style, he <laughs> writes... It's It's very kind of dense and hard to understand sometimes. He is used lots and lots of footnotes to the extent where some of his footnotes are longer than the passage that they're referring to. Um, His writing can be very labyrinthine and challenging, but at the same time, some passages are just so simple and emotionally powerful and touching. As difficult as it can be to read, it is very, very rewarding in my my opinion. Uh, True to form, this unfinished book is over 500 pages so even a book he hadn't completed yet is over 500 pages
1: one caveat there because i went ahead and jumped into starting this book um earlier today um at 500 pages plus i'm not really sure i the note that's by his editor i think it's his editor i could be wrong says that at the end are some of his notes so i don't know how much of that you know, how much of that story, if it's, you know, 60, 70 pages, but apparently there was a lot, a lot, a lot for them to work with, um, in putting this book together. So, um, I said four pages in, this is probably the, uh, the earliest review I've ever given a book so far. I don't like it. It's a little hard to read, but I'm going to give it another shot. So I'm not going to give up after four pages. And this is my commitment because I said, we're reading it. So we're going to read it. Because had yeah, we had not done it on here, I don't know how much farther I'd get with it.
0: It's a challenge. Um, I, I, when talking to friends about David Foster Wallace, uh, someone said, "You need to read Infinite Jest if you've got three months spare wow. time." So, Infinite Jest is, I think, is one of the probably the ones he's most most known for. And yeah, they said take three months and read Infinite Jest. It's probably you know eight hundred pages or something like that. So, um, the reason though, I think one of the I was reading up a little bit about David Foster Wallace. I think either he double majored or he got two different undergraduate degrees. One was in a specific form of logic, and another was mathematics. And then he later went on to get an MFA in creative writing, I think. So I think a lot of that math and logic goes into the way that he writes. So it's definitely dense. All right, I'm using some logical math
1: here. If Infinite Jest was 800 pages, and this is 500 pages, we should expect to be back on the air sometime in mid-June. Is that right? Is that when our next podcast is going to be?
0: The, the David Foster Wallace edition? We won't keep people waiting that long. All right. So, wrapping up, that's our next book, The Pale King by David Foster Wallace. Livius, how All about right. you to tell people how to get in touch with us?
1: Hopefully you've seen us at bookedpodcast.com. If you haven't, check us out there. You can also follow us on Twitter, at BookedPodcast. And most exciting of all, we are now finally on iTunes. Um, you can search for Booked Podcast on iTunes. Um, we were initially going to be on Stitcher, but the people at Stitcher suck. And I'm officially calling it, you suck. It's been two weeks, we haven't heard back from you. And iTunes had us up in like three days. So,
0: Actually, um, iTunes had us approved in less than 12 hours. Wow, that's how incredible and high quality our podcast is. Is how quickly we turned around. Yes, uh, Stitcher uh, is kind of new, and from what I'm understanding about them, it seems like they're much more revenue driven. So I think with us being such a fledgling podcast, they might not be so interested in in us yet. They don't see the value that our wonderful listeners do.
1: I'm gonna refer back to my previous statement. Stitcher, you suck. <laughs>
0: That's an interesting note to go out on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, until next time, you've been listening to Booked,
0: the podcast. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.
1: On a blackened sky, here I wake. By the light tower, a pair of lights. Comes closer down the road on a thunderful night. Hey, Dress.